It's something for nothing. The Rush Fan Cast, Jerry and Steve with you. So, Jerry, last week we started to talk about Hold Your Fire. I remember. Our five episode chat, and we're already delaying it. I know. <laughs> we're just the worst at planning. What can I say? We got such a good guest today. We said, you know what? We can talk about Hold Your Fire next week. Let's talk to a new guest today. That's right. You can find us on Twitter. We are at Rush Fancast. Instagram, find us at The Rush Cast. Email Jerry. Send me your hate mail about us <laughs> screwing up the Hold Your Fire thing at therushcast at gmail.com. The bass intro and outro, that is Lex, of course. Find us on your favorite podcast app. And Jer, I hope you have a great email to get us started today. I do. It's a, it's a short one, and it's about our episode on Snakes and Arrows Live. Oh, nice. And it's from Chris. Hey, Chris. He says, hey, guys, great job on the podcast. Thank you. I'm late commenting on this episode. So you may have heard this already from others. It's regarding the opening of the show. Do you remember? You might not remember. But Alex comes on and he plays the opening to Limelight. And it just kind of rings out. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? So he says, it's regarding the opening where Alex holds that Limelight cord for longer than usual. What happened was they did one of their silly, humorous video intros on this tour. The one where the guys are just waking up. I think for some or even all of the shows, they did a joke opening where the lights come on and Alex is on stage. He starts to play and then pretends to realize that the other guys aren't there yet since they had just woken up. Uh. So he stalls by holding that cord and then Getty and Alex scramble out from backstage and get there just in time to join in. And if you look at the video for the Snakes Narrow tour, the, the opening song, that's what they do. I actually got to do a meet and greet with Getty and Alex at the West Palm Beach show on this tour. So you'd think I would remember it more clearly, but no, in fact, it's pretty much a blur. Keep up the good work, Chris. Awesome. Thanks, Chris, for filling us in on that. I knew someone would know the answer, Jer. I did get a few emails, but I, I chose that one. Nice. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate you listening. So Jer, this Friday, Julian's Auctions in New York City is holding an auction of Alex Lifeson's guitars, memorabilia, and artwork. Sounds like it's going to be incredible. It's called Property from the Archives of Alex Lifeson. And we're lucky enough to have the specialist who did the research and cataloging for this incredible collection with us today. Morgan Woolsey, welcome to the Rush Fancast. Hi, thanks for having me. Appreciate you joining us today. We'd like to start out by asking our guests, Morgan, their Rush origin story. When did you first hear Rush and how did you become a fan? So yeah, this is an interesting question because I think kind of I was aware of Rush before I knew who they were. And so I'd heard, of course, the spirit of radio and limelight and Tom Sawyer on the radio growing up, but um, I, I did not know the band specifically. Mm -hmm. And so I think then I was more aware of kind of the pop culture presence um, in shows like Freaks and Geeks. Uh, where Jason Siegel's character is a, a big Neil Peart fan, and then South Park and, and, and things like that. But I come from kind of a, an academic background. And so I have done a lot of research on a lot of different bands. And so I think I, I incorporated Rush a little bit in a class that I was teaching. But it wasn't until I really did this catalog that um, I had the chance to get into their work 
in a more sustained way. So um, I think that's a long-winded way of saying that, um, honestly, it wasn't until this catalog that I, I think I could call myself uh, a fan. So let's talk about the auction in general, because Rush fans all over were both shocked and pleased at the same time to hear that mm-hmm. Alex was auctioning off all of these guitars and his ephemera. Right. How did you get involved? How did Julian's get involved in the auctioning of all of these things? Yeah. So I think, you know, he was just kind of at a point in his life where he was ready to downsize a little bit. And, um, you know, I, I think he's spoken about kind of wanting to donate some of the proceeds to charities that he's involved with and, and things like that. So Julian's, of course, is uh, kind of the number one uh, rock and roll auction house, and we get a lot of referrals. I'm not actually sure how he came to us specifically, but I would assume uh, through through some channels, um, some channels like that. So what is your role at Julian's, Morgan? Um, So I'm a specialist in a cataloger, which means that I'm responsible for processing collections when they come in and organizing them and then doing research and um, basically producing the catalog that uh, you, you have in your hands today. So it's actually the first catalog that I've done with Julian's. And so I, I was really lucky in that. So basically the first month that I was working on this project, I was just, you know, familiarizing myself with Rush, familiarizing myself with Alex Lifeson and his many, many, many uh, guitars so that I could find, you know, photos of him playing them, videos of him playing them, and just be able to write descriptions of some of these instruments that would really highlight the significance, the role that they played in his career, and all of that good stuff. Yeah, I just got the catalog today and it is gorgeous. I don't know what I was expecting. Yeah. But I was not expecting something like this because it is just full of not only gorgeous pictures of the instruments. Yeah. But pictures I've never seen before of him playing the instruments, either, you know, on stage or, you know, just like a photo shoot of him holding the instruments. So how does one go about tracking all of these things down. It must have been an absurd amount of time. Yeah. Well, I'm so happy. First of all, I'm so happy that it has stuff in there that would be exciting to a fan that's new to a fan. Because when I came into this project, I kind of immediately, when I was doing my research, saw how invested and um, excited Rush fans are about documenting (laughs) um, everything Rush. So, you know, I think in a way this was an easier project than it could have been because of this level of attention to the details of Rush's comings and goings that's available online because of the fan community. So, you know, I I kind of combined, I think, some of my academic training. So looking into general historical stuff, but really spent a lot of time in fan archives and um, watching tons and tons of footage uh, of Rush playing concerts, which also quite thankfully is pretty easily available, especially the the later tours, starting with kind of, um, I think, R30 and and on. There's just, you know, DVDs and um, lots of stuff floating around on the internet for that. 
And also the journalist, the Canadian journalist, Martin um, Popoff has written a kind of three tome uh, chronicle of, of Rush that I, I got to dig deep into. So that's like a super crash course on Rush. Yeah. So basically I would say I spent about three months on it and just listening to all the albums, kind of trying to get the sound of the different eras uh, in my ears and be able to place the guitars um, within those different eras. Now, did you get a chance to speak to Alex himself when preparing this catalog? Um, so I didn't initially because I think, you know, they, they like to filter the high level uh, clients a lot of the time through Darren, the, the CEO. So I, I was not, you know, I would have questions that I would relay through Darren um, and I would get email responses back about those. And then when we were in the kind of copy editing, proofreading catalog um, portion, I was in contact with him through email and um, just what a super generous and kind guy. Um, I, I, again, I, I feel very lucky because I think I could have a client that was really hard to please or um, very critical, but he was just extremely enthusiastic and happy about the catalog. So that was really, really wonderful having worked on it for three months, kind of in a vacuum in a sense to then have this really nice feedback um, coming directly from the source at the end of the process. Now let's talk about some of the guitars. Obviously the guitars I think are the, definitely the draw for a lot of people. For sure. And probably everyone's favorite guitar is what's called Whitey. Mm-hmm. Right, it's a Gibson yeah. ES three five five that Alex has played for seemingly forever. Can you tell us about this guitar because it is such a special guitar? Like when you first get the guitars in to you know check them out and start the process, what what do you get from this guitar when you see it? Yeah, so I mean, this one and there was like a kind of handful of guitars. I was really excited to to open up because again, I've been watching so much footage. And so I've, I've seen this guitar on stage so much. Um, it, it was a really kind of special and almost intimate moment, I would say. But I work with um, a guitar and gear specialist, uh, Steve Fishman, who is wonderful. And he's the one who did all the kind of technical description portions in the catalog. Um, so he's the one that spent like a ton of time with the instruments uh, and and getting to know them. But, you know, I think for me, right, someone who has taught history of rock and things like that, I haven't necessarily thought about the different kinds of guitars and why people choose them, why they're favored. But the whole E.S. Gibson line, which, of course, he's very fond of, um, there's many guitars uh, in this catalog from that line, both ones that he played and ones that he collected later on in, in his career. But this is kind of the first really semi-hollow body guitar. And the sound is, is quite different than a solid body guitar, which is what we often think of, um, right? The Les Paul kind of coming through the Marshall speakers. That's the, the classic uh, kind of 70s rock sound. And so this is a quite unique thing for uh, an instrument like this to be included in a band playing music like Rush was playing in their early days. 
But um, I think the other thing that is really striking about it is just how much he loves this instrument and talks about it. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a really, really special, uh, really special instrument. Yeah, there's a quote in the catalog. I'm going to read it because it really shows how much Alex loves this guitar. It says, what we've seen and done together and how we communicated to each other over all those musical moments is something I can't really describe. I cried when I prepped this guitar for the auction. I polished it, tuned it, played it with tears in my eyes, then hugged it and kissed it on the binding where my chin so often rested before I gingerly placed it in its case and said goodbye. Wow. That's a guy who loves this instrument because this instrument was his conduit to the sound that he wanted to get. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and kind of the the way that he talks about both this instrument and it's like this little cohort of instruments that he got in 1976 yeah. um, is it's really, yeah, quite touching. And it surprises me that he would give this guitar up. You would think this would be the one guitar he would maybe keep, even if he sold the rest of them. Why wouldn't he keep this one? Yeah. Yeah. That is a really excellent question. Um, and one I, I would have asked if I had a direct, <laughs> a more direct line. I think I was kind of hemmed in um, wanting to ask questions just specifically about, you know, confusion that I had about an instrument or, you know, things that I needed materially for the cataloging. So I hope that in the future, you know, when I'm, I'm more established as a cataloger, that I'll be able to chat with people um, about this kind of thing, because, you know, it is a question I know a lot of people are asking. Now, on the website, Morgan, the current bid for this guitar is $90,000, and the estimate for what it will go for is between two hundred dollars and $300,000. How did you come up with that estimate? Yeah, so I actually don't didn't do the estimates, again, because it was my first catalog. Um, so my, uh, I believe my, my supervisor, Mitch Kaba, um, did those, but yeah, the, the kind of divining process of how to, to, to guess this. And, and, you know, oftentimes the estimates are quite low, right? So they, they estimate, you know, the low end is, is quite low. So I'm very curious. I will be watching the auction live. I'm in LA, so I won't be in, in New York at the auction itself, but I will be watching it online. And I am very curious <laughs> what these <laughs> instruments go for, because I predict that this one is going to go for uh, a bit higher than that, but um, we'll see, I guess. Yeah. I asked my wife if we could, I don't know, take up a second mortgage out, see if I could put a bid on. It didn't, a conversation did not go well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How about the Alex Lifeson Lavia Strangiato acoustic mm. guitar, the Jose yeah. Ramirez? Yeah, the Ramirez. This is another one that I can't believe he gave up. Can you tell us a little bit about this guitar? Yeah, so Jose Ramirez is one of the oldest um, kind of Spanish classical style guitar luthiers. You know, I, I, I forget they're they're from kind of the 19th century. So an extremely beautiful and well-crafted instrument with just amazing history in it. And this was another one where, <laughs> uh, you know, the studio played instruments. Obviously I had a harder time finding photos of him with them. Um, and this is one that I had to admit defeat. And I didn't, it did send a list to him via Darren to ask uh, if there were photos of some of these guitars. And he directed me to the 40th anniversary CD release of Hemispheres 
which includes in the liner a bunch of photos of him and um, Getty Lee and, and, and Neil Peart uh, while recording. And so the photo, I believe it's a fold out um, of, of this instrument comes from those liner notes. So I was really happy to, to find that one. Yeah, that was the other thing I really like about this catalog is the, is the fold out photos. They're just, they're just, it was such a surprise when I, when I yeah, got this, I don't know, yeah. like I said, I didn't know what I was expecting, but this thing is gorgeous. One other guitar I want to talk about is the, the Henter Sportscaster, mm-hmm, right? Is that mm-hmm. what he calls it? Yes. Yeah. The Henter Sportscaster, because this is kind of like a, I don't know, a little Frankenstein-y kind of just like put together from other things, but it was one of his favorite guitars. He said about it, the Henter is a bossy guitar that works best when I stay out of its way. <laughs> yeah. 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 I love that quote. So, you know, I, I wanted to make sure that, that folks got a chance to to hear that because these kinds of things really shed more light on his philosophy of, of playing and the kind of relationship that he has um, and has had with various instruments. Um, but yeah, this one uh, was a bit of a head scratcher initially because I was like, Hunter, what, what is that? I've never heard of that. And then I kind of looked a little more deeply into uh, some of the interviews that he gave. And it was just, you know, a a made up name that he uh, got stuck on there and then kind of continued to have customization and and put it together from, you know, what Steve kind of guesses is a 1973 um, Fender Strat body. Uh, to to get the sound that he was looking for, kind of moving into the eighties. Yeah, the name shows Alex's sense of humor. Yes, you say that it's. This is a quote from a Guitar Player magazine. Yeah, Henter was the name that we had for Peter Henderson, the producer of Grace Under Pressure. When he wrote his name out to leave us his number, it looked like Peter Henter instead of Peter Henderson. So we nicknamed him henter the barbarian yeah <laughs> and so that's how the name of the guitar came about mm-hmm. another guitar i wanted to mention is the guitar alex played in the studio on closer to the heart the dove acoustic mm-hmm. another yeah. just beautiful guitar and on the list here it says it comes with a uk work permit what exactly is that yeah so the all the ephemera and the things that he sent us i divided up into lots on their own. So you'll see some of those, right? Like the tour uh, memorabilia and, um, you know, the the backstage passes and things like that. But then I thought it would be fun to give folks who were bidding on these items, little pieces that were attached to these guitars in some way. And so you can see him, the photo, one of the photos, I forget how many photos I ended up, that we ended up having of the Dove but um, playing on, I believe, the, the moving pictures or hemispheres tour. And so the work permit is, is from that tour. So this was his work permit to be paid in the UK, to work in the UK as a musician um, during those tours. And there is another one that goes with, with Whitey. So um, there were two permits that we received from him. And there's an, another one. This one, I don't think... I don't think, Steve, did we didn't see the Clockwork Angels warm-up tour, did we? I don't think so. Any of the shows on that? Because there is this guitar, it's called an Alumasonic. I'm assuming it's made out of aluminum. It is, yes. <laughs> right? <laughs> this guitar is absolutely stunning. Can you, Steve, can you find it on the, on the site? I'm looking for it now. 
Yeah. And you can look at the NFT also um, to get like a full 360 view of it. Yeah. I mean, this is from, this is 2012, but this guitar is so gorgeous. I just want to see it. I just want to see it somewhere <laughs> before it sells. It's so beautiful. Well, you all are on the East Coast, right? Oh, yeah. We're going to come check these out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, maybe take a take a day off of work and go and uh, check out the. I don't know if I don't think the Illumisonic is going to be in the exhibit, but yeah, we're definitely going to the exhibit. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about the NFTs too, because a lot of them, like you said, have NFTs. This one does. What exactly, like you said, there are three sixty representation of the guitars, right? Yeah. So this process is also kind of. I I didn't know a ton about NFTs before I started working on this, but. Um, basically each of the guitars is accompanied by an NFT. And so the way that that is constructed is like hundreds of photos are taken of it from different angles. Um, there's like a weird kind of sci-fi looking pod type setup um, to take these photos. And so the end product is um, what you see on the website. That's a representation of the NFT that will accompany each of these guitars. And so each one has a little narration also of uh, Lifeson talking about each of those guitars and his memories or kind of the significance of them. Yeah, there are parts, I don't know if it's the entire narration at the bottom of the page, but mm -hmm. this one, yeah. it says, this is such a cool guitar. The Lumasonic looks like two robots that got together to design a guitar and then built it. <laughs> yeah, it's a fair description. That is what it looks like. Yeah. No, Morgan, I was surprised to see that some of Alex's artwork is also mm -hmm. up for auction. Can you tell us about the artwork that's in this collection? I actually don't know a ton about it. We received it kind of at the very end of our process. So um, there wasn't a ton of time to do much research, but I do know that he is kind of a, an artist himself. And so this stuff, I believe, is from kind of pre-rush days. And they, they, they look like life drawings, mostly. Um, so right. drawings of figures and, um, and things like that. And all of the, like the ephemera, the posters, there are a few like handbills, uh, the backstage passes. How do those come in? Are they just like in a box? Because I can imagine that, you know, you're on tour and you come back with your backstage pass, you might just, you know, throw it in, in, in the key bowl somewhere for a while. Like, how do these things come in to the auction house? Yeah, I mean, honestly, they, they did just kind of come in a series of um, FedEx envelopes. So, uh, <laughs> the, um, and then the posters, of course, came in, you know, those big cardboard rolls. Right. But um, in this way, this job is, is very much like archival work because you're receiving a collection of items and then trying to figure out what the relationship is to each other, if any, and the right. chronology and, and all of that. So, um, yeah, there were, there were a couple of weeks where I was just kind of sitting in my cubicle amidst all of this, trying to uh, organize it. You mentioned, Morgan, that Julian's has done some other rock auctions. How rare is it for a collection this extensive from an artist as decorated as Alex Lifeson become available? How rare is that? Well, I don't want to over overstep again. I'm, I'm new, but I don't know of another collection quite like this one. You have definitely done single consigner auctions where it's you know just one person. Um, and, and all of their stuff, 
but anything else I, I can't really think of. Well, you mentioned Morgan that you pretty much were introduced to Rush when you started researching this collection and you've listened to a lot of Rush music over <laughs> right. the past three months. I sure have. <laughs> Would you consider yourself a Rush fan now? I think I, I do consider myself a Rush fan now. Um, you know, I, I'm a big fan of metal and um, prog rock. And so my taste starts a little later, right? Than this. But I think getting to go back to their early stuff in particular and hear just a lot of things and just like the tendency towards these like really dramatic kind of theatrical um, albums, right? That's something that is, is really attractive to me. And then I think I was surprised at how much I enjoyed some of the, the later stuff too, uh, which is quite, quite different, right? So getting to go on the journey was really exciting. I think when, when I was a teacher, I would have to do that in like a week, <laughs> right? I'd right. be putting together a lecture and I just have to kind of bang it out. Um, but this felt a lot more leisurely, uh, even though, again, you know, it's three months to kind of get my head wrapped around an entire band's body of work and the fan community and kind of what do people care about and all of this, um, all of this kind of thing. But, um, but yeah, definitely. Um, I, I definitely enjoy the music and I'm sure that I will continue listening to it after this auction is over. If you had to pick a favorite Rush album after listening to all of them, which would it be? Uh, all right. So I think it's kind of a tie because again, I really enjoyed the early stuff. Um, so from that, and because I, I love an underdog, um, I did really like Caress of Steel, yes. which I know yes. um, it was like not, it was the the low point <laughs> right. for them following Fly By Night. But I, I do love the kind of longer, the longer songs and the storytelling and, um, and all of that feels very ambitious, even if it didn't read particularly well at the time. But then I think also Grace Under Pressure is a really beautiful album and um, Roll the Bones, I think probably were, were my, my favorites. Well, the fact that you like Caress of Steel cements the fact that you are <laughs> an actual Rush fan. <laughs> yeah. So Morgan, can you tell listeners how they can take part in this auction on Friday? I mean, I know even if they don't want to bid, I'm sure like you're going to be watching, they'd like to watch, right? Yeah, yeah. So all you need to do is um, sign up for an account on Julian's Live. So I believe that is julianslive.com. Um, uh, you can be prompted to to do that. And that's, yeah, I think that's that's the the first step is to to go ahead and toddle over to the to the website. And what if we have some listeners who have lots of cash laying around and they want to go to <laughs> the Hard Rock in New York City and actually bid and hold up one of those signs? Can they do that? Um, you can do that. Um, you know, I feel bad because maybe I should have looked more into the, the logistics of how this happens. I know that you can pretty much come in off the street, like, uh, you know, but, but definitely check out the website, go to Julian's auctions, um, and, and look at how to get signed up. There are some items that require special registration, 
um, you know, we're, we're selling like um, some, uh, the, the Madonna outfit from Material Girl and, and some of the higher, um, higher price tag items. Um, so there's special processes involved for that, but everything else should be pretty uh, straightforward from the website. And also, you know, feel free to reach out to Julian's um, and folks can, can definitely hook you up with the information that you want there. Well, let's hope that my loan comes through. I think we should buy the Material Girl outfit and Whitey <laughs> and wear the outfit, play Whitey. What do you think? That sounds like an excellent idea. You'd have to get it altered. That is a tiny little dress. <laughs> we had it on like the smallest mannequin. Morgan, thanks so much for joining us today to discuss this amazing collection. We hope the auction's a smashing success. And I know Rush fans are thrilled that you did so much research putting this together. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. So Jared, that was really, really interesting, wasn't it? It was. You know, there's so much in this catalog about all of the instruments and all of the the other things. And definitely the pictures, like I said, yeah, are just absolutely stunning. And it's just amazing that Morgan went, you know, went back and watched just hours and hours of concerts and looked at so many photos to find the stuff that's in this book. Because like I said, you know, every guitar, just about every guitar has images of Alex holding the guitar, either in stills or, you know, from, you know, on stage Mm -hmm. and things like that stills from videos and him on stage. It's just such an incredible amount of work. And I, I appreciate every second it took her to do that. Oh yeah. Can you imagine what a great job that must've been just to listen to rush albums and watch rush videos <laughs> all day long. How great is that? I know I'm so jealous. I didn't see that job description up anywhere <laughs> when I was looking for work. Didn't see any of it. Some of the other things that were kind of cool. We didn't talk about with Morgan is, uh, the childhood photographs that are up here for bid, Yep, which is cool. And some posters you mentioned, I think these briefly, Jar, the posters from some of the early Rush shows. Yeah. yeah. I can't even believe Alex still had. It's incredible that he kept so many things. I mean, I'm assuming that, you know, he would keep them when they were starting out. You know what I mean? I'm sure it's very exciting mm-hmm. you know, to have like a poster. There's also like a, a business card from when he formed his first band, The Projection. Yeah. Um, but the fact that, you know, these things carried with him the rest of his life i mean how many things do you have steve from your teenage years that have just come with you from move to move to move to move? not many things and, <laughs> and the other thing you know we watch these documentaries like time stand still and beyond the lighted stage there are so many photographs of the band from the early days I don't have any pictures of me from when between <laughs> the ages of 20 and 30, you can't even prove that I existed then. <laughs> we just weren't doing anything interesting enough to document Steve. That's why So you think if we were in rush, we would have taken pictures. Of course. Other people would have taken <laughs> pictures of us. No one was taking pictures of us. <laughs> so when are we going to go check out this stuff, Jerry? We've got to do that this week. Don't we? We have to do it this week. Yeah. I don't know what, what day, what day is good for you. Any night this week will work. Let's do it. We work in the city. We have to go, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I want to see these guitars up close. And then we'll come back on the next episode and tell everybody what we saw and how great it was. Yeah, absolutely. 
I'm going to tell you right now. It's going to be great. <laughs> you can find us on Twitter. We are at Rush Fancast. Instagram, find us at The Rushcast. Email Jerry. Let him know what you thought of our conversation with Morgan Woolsey at therushcast at gmail.com. The base intro and outro, that's Lex. Subscribe, like us, review us on your favorite podcast app. And Jer, give us a quote to wrap this up, please. Well, it's not a song quote this week. Oh, okay. It's a quote from Alex about his instruments. Oh, nice. Goodbye to these incredible tools that helped create this, my legacy. I will love you all forever. Wow. That's amazing. Thanks, Jer. All right. See you later.